0: Um, so, let's uh, let's pray first. We'll ask the Lord for wisdom, and then we'll see if we can find some uh, some helpful information tonight that'll maybe help you. Okay, Father, help us to set aside the craziness of the day, the busyness of the day. Sounds like all of us have had um, physically and mentally exhausting days, challenging days, and We just thank you that in your providence, you sit there and every single step of our day has been decreed by you. And so that gives us peace and calm in the storm, knowing that everything is exactly according to your plan for the day. And just pray that you give us the strength to be just faithful, just as we walk through the day, find us find us faithful to you, Lord. And to do that, Lord, we have to be in your word, be meditating on your word. We have to be praying and seeking your counsel through the day and, and just thinking about what you would want us to do in these situations. So tonight, Lord, as we move from what the gospel says to now how to share that, gospel with a world who doesn't want to hear it and who is happy to be where they are and they just want to be left alone, Um, give us wisdom to sow your seed knowing that uh, you will cause the growth, you will give the eternal life, and again, we just need to be faithful just to be out there. And sharing the good news of the hope that's in Christ, who died for us, so that we can be here, learning from your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So when we start talking about launching a conversation about the gospel, um, you know, like we said, the world has a very different grid that they filter everything through. So, everybody has this filter in their mind. We all have the same set of facts, right? We all have the same input coming through our eyes in the world. It's just, what do we do with those facts? Take scientific facts, for example. We all have the same scientific facts, and where we see creation, they see evolution. Based on... That worldview, that grid work that they've been taught to filter things through. Keeping in mind that they are spiritually dead, right? So there's nothing in them that seeks for God. Isaiah chapter 40, I believe it is, says that God hides his face and he does not hear. So, you know, that's to be expected when people don't want to hear it, they don't want to talk about it, Uh, when people uh, exhibit a seared conscience, like their sin doesn't bother them, they sin willingly, and it, it bothers you, and you don't understand why it doesn't bother them, well, it's really normal. Like sin is just so normal, and it is like just getting worse and worse, right? Like what used to be a little appalling to the general population, you know, a couple decades ago is just way normal now. Like it's just on TV, it's in newscasts, and just like it's just accepted. Conscience has just been seared. So I think part of it is just being calm <laughs> through it and just understanding that, you know, We have a very different point of view, but our job is to get on their side of the desk and see the world through their eyes and meet them where they are and have a conversation with them in the same direction. Uh, Motivation is two things, the pull of desire and the push of discomfort. We're there to be the pull of desire, to love them, and to encourage them, and to hold their hand, to pull them along. The word of God is there to convict, and the Holy Spirit will convict, and that puts the push of discomfort. So it's a little bit of both, right? We're making sure that we don't dull the edge on the two-edged sword, right? We don't dull the gospel. You don't leave out the hard things you say the hard things that's the push of discomfort but we hold their hand put our arm around them and like somebody with a sprained ankle we put their arm over our shoulder and we walk with them through life because they're hurting so i think the most difficult part of evangelism which i don't think you have this problem at all i think you're really good at initiating a conversation yeah you
1: (laughs) Said, no. <laughs> uh,
0: for me, initiating a conversation is the hardest thing. But if you remember what it was like, um, do you remember the first time you rode a bike <coughs> like without somebody holding on to the seat? Can you still remember that? You remember it? I don't
1: know um, if it's... I don't know. We hit a tree. You hit a tree? <laughs> it was terrifying.
0: Yeah. I just remember that feeling of somebody holding the seat, holding the seat, and then that first time they let go, and like the bike stays up, and you're like, and from that point on, man, you're just off, and you're just going. And you still had training wheels on maybe, but they kind of, your parents move the training wheels up a little bit, and every now and then they kind of touch a little bit, but you're like, I got it. They take it off, it's like just something clicks. And so, sharing the gospel is a lot like that. You know, getting started is the hard part, And then once you just get started and get going, it's okay. You fall over, you crash and burn, you get a few scrapes and bruises. You're not sure if you want to do it again, but you just start to find that it it really is a lot of fun talking to people about the Lord. And why is that? Because you love the Lord, right? The reason we talk about it, it's an act of worship. Like, your love for the Lord and what he's done for us, like that just, sometimes it just builds up in you. It just kind of bubbles over onto the people around you. And so when we're sharing the gospel, a lot of times our motivation is and should be love. And so when you're trying to love someone and they beat you up and, um, you know, drag you out to the edge of town and try to throw you off a cliff or maybe report you to HR. One of the two. One's a little more severe than the other. But, right, you get up, you pick yourself up. Does that change how you feel about the Lord? No. What does it reveal to you? It reveals to you what's behind door number two. Man, you're adding experience and you're matching your experience with the Word of God, and you're gaining experience of what mankind is like. And you see what man is really like according to the Word of God. So, uh, you know, try not to get discouraged. The hardest thing is just figuring out how to start... A conversation and talk about spiritual issues with somebody who is not spiritual or when they say spiritual they mean that's right smoking weed on a yoga mat that's right um, or new age type thinking right like when people say they're spiritual probably a 99% chance they're really saying they're idolaters Right. So when someone says they're spiritual, remember what our goal is, is not for us to talk, we wanna hear them talk. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna ask questions. So when someone says, I'm spiritual, you say, ah, great to hear that. In fact, there's a favorite author of mine that always says the most important thing about you is what comes into your mind when you think about who God is, so since you're spiritual, please tell me what you think God is like. So that's an easy, easy one, right? Anytime anybody is talking about anything spiritual, just say, favorite author of mine, A.W. Tozer says, the most important thing about you as a person is what comes into your mind when you think about who God is. Since you're spiritual, tell me, what is God like and what informs that? How do you know? And let them talk.
1: What if they don't? That's what I ran into last night when I asked him more probing question. He just didn't, he uh, just kind of didn't have an answer. I'm like, yeah, I, it was just yeah. what I expected.
0: Yeah, well, if you're spiritual, it's a dark world out there, and people are looking for enlightenment. And if you have it, and if it's good, wouldn't you want to share it? No, okay. I do know God, and I am really excited about it. Mm-hmm. Because I know the God of the Bible, a God of the universe that's revealed Himself to us, who's created and owned everything. You know Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's perfectly holy and he demands perfect obedience. As a spiritual person, what do you think of that? Or as a spiritual person, what do you think? What do you think of the Bible? And then let them talk. See, you went to your first point you hit your first point, and now I'm giving them the opportunity to talk again. Because people love to tell you what they know, and especially if they think they're spiritual. And if they don't want to talk about it, there's a reason. And if they don't want to talk about it, they don't want to talk about it, and you let them go, right? Don't force the issue, let them go. Because if the Holy Spirit is working in their heart, and it's a divine appointment that you've run into them, and they're like, you know what? It's crazy you say that, because I was just thinking about this very thing today. And at some point in that conversation you say, you know, uh, do you believe in miracles? Um, yeah, man, I believe, almost anybody will tell you that, right? Oh, yeah, I believe in miracles. Well, in the Bible, miracles always came to confirm God's message. So I don't really believe in like miracles, miracles, but I'm not saying that God doesn't work. The Bible says that we don't seek for God naturally. So well, Maybe you're moving over to your man card now. The Bible says there's none righteous, not even one, and there's none of us that seek for God. Or maybe use your analogy with the two magnets that won't go together. Man and God, we actually repel each other. And um, the fact that we are even having this conversation right now, that is, that is what an opportunity that God has given us to even have this conversation right now, because people naturally don't want to talk about God. So I appreciate you even giving me two minutes to talk about it. And I think when God is trying to get our attention, we should, we should pay attention. <coughs> So maybe it's a divine appointment. We know it's a divine appointment, but they weren't. Maybe it's a divine appointment. Tell me, what do you think about Christ? You go to church anywhere? I grew up in church. Tell me, what do you you know about Jesus? Um, He's a good man, good teacher. I mean, he really showed us how to live. Did you know that the Bible says that Jesus is God. It says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, you're just kind of asking questions and moving them through. Yeah, I don't I don't think I believe all that. I mean, I don't think Jesus is God. Did you know that He holds all things together with His Word? In fact, at, I go to Grace Bible Church we just are finishing up going through the book of Colossians and in there in Colossians chapter 1 it says he holds all things together not like just God random created and set it all in motion but Christ holds all things together all things were created through him and for him that's in Colossians chapter 1 what do you think about that the Bible says that yeah I don't give the Bible a lot of thought so then you're talking again about the Bible Maybe pull a little bit out of them. But ultimately, you want to leave and talk about the last card. That's why it's really good for us to make sure you um, keep working at memorizing these verses because these these are your stepping stones in every conversation. Whether you dwell 20 seconds in each spot or you dwell 20 minutes on each card, drawing out what they believe. The hardest thing is just getting started, and you wanna get on uh, their, their side of the fence, and you're just listening, really. I mean, to start the conversation, you're just listening to just everyday conversations, ordinary matters of life, and matching it up with the eternal wisdom of Scripture. So, a lot of launching questions that you could have. You know, whether it's uh, work, sports, cleaning the house. I've even had a a gospel conversation based on the back of a tube of toothpaste before. Because it says, begin with a professional cleaning and then you use the toothpaste for daily maintenance. And hello, (laughs) right? We need a professional cleansing. And then we feed our spirit with daily maintenance. So I mean, you can have a gospel conversation based out of anything. So first we wanna start with a common conversation. Getting to know somebody is the beginning of a relationship. And this is a relationship. We want to love and care for people. Showing an interest in someone's life that gives that person a reason to talk and listen to you. And I think anytime you approach anyone, even if it's a stranger, if you show that you love and you care about them and you're asking questions that care about them, they're gonna be more likely to stay and listen to you. Now, if you're just mugging them, with words, right? If you're just showing up and you're just gonna blast them with what you know about the Bible, they're like, yeah, I'm, I really don't have time to stand here and listen to you talk for 20 minutes. But if you're asking me questions, you wanna know what I think, I would love to stand here for 20 minutes and tell you what I think about the world. People love to hear themselves talk and they love to tell you what they know. And that's really, really our goal. our goal is to start a conversation that shows that we care. Our goal is to talk on a level that's more personal than how's the weather today? Is it still cold out there? I heard it's supposed to be warming up. Turn or burn, no.
1: <laughs> Turn or burn. Right, you don't be like That's just light conversation. You don't want to be like that. That's a I like that. Yeah, you don't want to be
0: like that. Ask about somebody's family. Ask about where they work, where they're going to school, their education, what's, uh, what kind of music do they like, what are their hobbies, have any pets. And as you find out what interests the unbeliever, you will know and understand him or her, be able to relate to their feelings and ideas. I think another thing that I kind of think about is... In our evangelism efforts, we are way too broad in our thinking. So you say, who are you trying to reach? I'm trying to reach everybody. Well, he who's faithful with little, the Lord will give you more. So let's be faithful with one person, two people, three people. And that's where your list comes from. Just Pick two or three people and just be faithful to care about them, to love them, to pour into them, asking them questions about their life, what's going on in their life. Like this doesn't all have to happen in a day. Like I said, my process of coming to Christ was at work conversations for six years. So it was six years of somebody caring about me and asking questions and just everyday conversations in the office. That doesn't mean um, to not pursue it. Don't let it be six years because you're not trying. Let it be six years because they're rejecting you for six years and you're not giving up on them as a person, right? So just sit there, know their name, obviously. If it's somebody that you work with, you'll know their name. But if it's somebody that you just bump into, learn their name and remember them. Because next time you bump into them at the store, and it's a month later, and you're like, Mary, I haven't seen you forever. Do I know you? Yeah, remember we talked out front. Um, I was asking where you go to church, and you said you were going over here, but uh, you hadn't been going a lot. You've been going anymore? I've been thinking about you, been praying for you, and the... Here's some random guy, without it being creepy.
1: I've been watching
0: you. Yeah, I've been watching
1: you, Mary, from afar. I've been, I've had my eye on you. Yeah.
0: Again, don't let it get creepy. Care for people, right? Mary, I, you know, when we had that conversation last time, I remember that when we talked, You know, you were saying that you were really struggling um, because you had a niece who was sick. How did that turn out? I'm not saying you're gonna remember intimate details of every person's life, but think of yourself as, it's kind of like detective work in a way. Like you are caring about people, you want to learn more, you want to discover more, Not to be manipulative in any way, but to genuinely care for people and engage in their lives, love them, and show them the love of Christ. You know the gospel. You're just looking for the opportunity to care for people, show the love of Christ. Remember we were talking a little bit, this is Pastor Rick's thing when he used to say, Christians are like glow toys. And so Christ is the light, and as Christians, we want to draw close to the light. And so when we're in God's word, when we're in church, when we're around each other, we want to draw close to the light so that when we're out in a dark world, it might be dim, but we want to reflect his glory. We want to reflect his love. We want to reflect the light of Christ in a dark world, and that hopefully with the Holy Spirit's drawing, they will be drawn to that light not because that light illuminates who you are, but that light is a reflection of who he is. So, obviously, use people's names, communicate authentically, be a, be genuine, be genuinely concerned, but when you get back to the car or wherever you are, write that person's name down. What you talked about, whatever you uncovered in their life, that you can take home and pray about. You know, keep just a little journal. Go out to Hobby Lobby or something, just get you a little journal that you just keep in the car that you ran into so-and-so at the store, and they're dealing with this. Even if you never see them again, just pray for them. Mm -hmm. Add them to your list. Always keep two or three people on your daily list to pray for. And you will be blown away by what the Lord does but here's the problem with our efforts because um, our efforts and our time and our energy it's a lot like light it can be a floodlight where it's diffused over a, a wide area and so if you're not getting a lot accomplished at work it might be because your efforts and your energy spread over a wide area when you really need to just focus on being really good at this one thing like whatever your job is be focused on this one thing and quit trying to do everybody else's job and being in everybody else's business focus on this one thing do that same thing in your evangelism instead of saying I want to witness to everybody anybody and everybody I'm just gonna go out and just whoever instead Sit and really focus your efforts. You can have that mindset that when I go out, I'm always praying for opportunities. I'm always looking for opportunities. But always have those two or three people that get your focus, your energy, your attention, your love, your care with laser focus. Focus your prayer on one person or two people or three people. Check in with them often and see how they're doing. Ask questions, ask lots of questions, and keep drawing stuff out of them. And if you're not good at remembering things, go back to your little book and jot yourself notes about what you talked about and what they care about. Pay attention when they're talking. What they are saying is more important than what you are saying. Because when it's time to talk, you'll know what to say, right? Right? I mean, we've just spent, what, five, four or five weeks talking about what to say. And that's why we memorize these four points. You always have these four points in the back of your mind. And you're always ready to talk about any of these four points at any time because you've memorized your verses. And as you're reading your Bible, you're building depth behind each of these doors. A storehouse of all that you know about God, all that you know about mankind, all that you know about Christ, all that you know about living, repenting and believing and living the Christian life. So you, you're ready for that. So now you pull it out of them, get them to talk and then be ready to give a good answer. A good listener will pick up on issues or events that are troubling somebody. Like everybody has Troubles, problems, concerns, and a good listener will start to notice these um, themes that are important to your person. And then you can gen, uh, communicate genuine care and love for them. So, good listening skills involve more than just your ears, <coughs> your body language is important too. What did Chris Gerson used to say all the time when you? First thing you do before you talk, fix your face. Somebody might say something that is absolutely appalling to you. And you have to make mental note. If I have a habit of making facial expressions that I am horrified at what this person is saying, fix your face before you speak. Be aware of your body language. Don't be closed off. Don't cross your arms. You can now.
1: That that seemed targeted.
0: (laughs) That one was, but I don't think you're being closed off right now. I know, but you know what I mean. But you know, have you ever encountered people that have a body language like their eyes are, their eyes—they're looking where they want to go. They're looking for the escape. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, when their arms crossed, arms—they're closed off. They don't want to hear Mm -hmm. Uh, things like that. So just be aware, care. Good body language, maintain good eye contact, be patient, resist distractions. If you've shared the gospel for any amount of time, especially if you're going like on HCC campus like you do, it's guaranteed. Like you're gonna get into a good conversation, what's gonna happen? Their friend always comes up and jumps in, right? Mm -hmm. My grandpa was a pastor, oh great, here we go. (laughs) Here comes the distraction. Yeah, there you go. It always happens. So, in those moments, you know that the distraction's coming. And what is the distraction? Why does that distraction come? Snatch that seed up quickly. The parable of the, the soils and the seed, right? So you're sitting there and you're casting seed and you're making a little bit of headway with somebody and it never fails that somebody will jump in and interrupt or distract there's always a distraction be prepared for that and be ready to patiently work through it so you know we had it happened in the prison um, last week that there was um, things were going really well and we were having a really good conversation. There's just three jokers just cutting up and just distracting everybody. And finally just had to stop and just say, hey guys, look, like everybody's trying to hear. Can I get you to listen to just one verse? I need you to just give me just 10 minutes of attention here. And then if you don't want to listen, don't distract everybody else. But you know what I mean? Don't be afraid to, the friend comes in, it's like, you know what? That's great, but can we come back to that? I want to focus on what you said, right? So it's not about, again, it's not about, hold on, don't talk. I want you to hear what I have to say. No, it's not that. It's, I, I, I appreciate that. Can we hold on for just a second? Because I want to answer Will's question. Will, you, you were asking me, how do I know that the Bible is true? So that's a great question. How do we know if the Bible is true? And the friend might jump in again. Oh, it isn't true. That isn't true. It's been copied, copied, Hey, I know. I get it. I understand. But let me talk to Will. Will, how do you know that any historical book is true? How do you know that Shakespeare said, hark what light through yonder window breaks? It is the east and Juliet is the sun. How do you know he said that? How do we know that didn't, get lost in translation over the years. And there's way more manuscripts of the Bible than there is of Shakespeare. So how do we know? You know, whatever the distraction is, come back to what you said and and bring that back out. So ask good questions, probing questions, patiently staying focused on the person that you're talking to, staying on track, not straying from your four doors because somebody will want to say, something crazy about something that happened to israel in the old testament or something and that's not one of our four doors so that's a rabbit trail so one the
1: rabbit trails that i run into like with one group that are people group of people that i always talk try to talk to always in the library um it's just a group of black students and they always Every time I try and talk, they're like, "Oh, you know, Jesus. What color was Jesus? Was Jesus white or was he black? You know, Jesus is black. And I'm like, right. And that's not like anything worth fighting on. Right. Like,
0: he had to be born he, somewhere.
1: He looked like a Jew, probably. Right. Right. And but I don't say. I'm just like, okay, if you because if they're making that argument, they don't want to hear anything. Yeah. They're not. They're not going to be open to things. So that's one I always run into. That I'm like, okay, I don't know where to turn with you after that. I, other than like, have a good night because I, like, I can't really yeah
0: yeah you know because that's not the issue yeah the issue is was he God so always take it back to the scripture always take it back to your your memory verses
1: I mean, I've tried to recenter it but they just keep on saying well where do you think
0: he was or in... I don't care what he was yeah. Yeah. what I care was was he um, my righteousness and was he my atonement
1: mm-hmm.
0: Right, because that does, it doesn't matter. He, I know this. I know, I know he was God. I know he was man. I know he was sinless. I know he died on the cross for our sins. He's asked me to believe. He's rose. He rose from the dead. That he has power. Those are the things that I care about. The other stuff, I don't care about that. I don't care what. I don't care how long his hair was. I don't care if he had a beard or didn't have a beard. His appearance doesn't matter to me at all. Here's what I need. I need his righteousness His sinless life and I need him to be my payment for sin. So Here's what I care even more than that Question is second Corinthians 521 when it says God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf That we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's what I care about always take the conversation back to the cross and at the same time, you know, it's not that you're, oh, I don't care about that stuff. No, you're like, look, I get it. I, I understand. But to me, it's a non-issue. Here's the issue, and, and then go right back to the cross. So you're always asking good questions, open-ended questions like, that they can't just say yes and no. Do you believe that that da da No. Do you believe that that da da Yes. Right, those are closed-ended questions. Instead, what do you believe about, ask open-ended questions. How did you make that decision? What, what motivated you to choose this job or why is that so important to you? That might be a good question to ask in response to that. You know, I've, I, I hear that a lot and let me ask, because I don't know, why is that issue so important to you if you feel like going down that rabbit trail?
1: Well, Issues. I know they don't care. Yeah, they're just saying it to.
0: Yeah, like, just get under your skin.
1: Yeah, and I'm, so at that point, I'm just yeah. Then I move. Take on. them back. Yep, take point, them back to the cross. I moved to point two, because I'm like, okay. There you go. When to walk away?
0: Yep. Um, yep. Ask them what what's troubling you. You know, you notice something going on. What's troubling you? And then just wait patiently for an answer. You're building a relationship to be salt and light for Christ, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Most people love to talk about themselves, so listen. Don't be in a hurry to answer your own questions or to give your opinion. Take time to develop a trusting relationship. Next is pose a probing statement or question. Sometimes sharing your testimony can be very helpful at this point. If so, focus on three elements. What was your life like before you repented? What did Christ change in your life? And what is Christ doing in your life now? So it would be really good if you could get, figure out your testimony and get it down to just a short two or three minute, like they don't need to know your whole life story and it doesn't need to be all about you. You know, I was an idiot (laughs) and he saved me and he, changed my heart. Before I didn't care if I sinned. I didn't even know that I was sinning. Like things would bother my conscience, but I just thought God forgave everything. But then I read the Bible, and I saw that the Bible said blank. And when I saw that, I knew I was in trouble. And then, thank God, I flipped to the back of my Romans and I found grace, I remember hearing about that, and it led me to Romans, I read Romans and I found that in Romans, kinda of like the song Amazing Grace says, I once was lost but now I'm found, I was blind but not. Anyway, I'm a, I, it just changed me dramatically. It just changed who I am at my core. Okay, so maybe just figure out just short testimony. Sometimes that can come in handy. Sometimes the conversation will move just directly to the gospel. Most of the time it won't though, unless you steer it that way So you gotta find that stepping stone, that probing question, that verse that answers a struggle that they're having that turns the conversation towards the gospel. So like somebody at at my work, my goal is to, I have one goal with this person. I want them to read Romans. That's my only goal, read Romans. And so they'll say something about something they saw in the news. "Ah, That's Romans 1. And then they'll talk about something else that they heard. "Ah, That's Romans 3. How is it that people can go to church and then, "Ah, that's Romans 6. You know the government, "Ah, that's Romans 13. I'm telling you, you've got to read Romans. We have this conversation every day. Every answer to every question you keep saying, it's in Romans. Go read Romans. Our goal is to get people in the Bible reading God's word. Jesus and the woman at the well, think about the way that conversation started. Just talking about water. And Jesus takes just water and turns it to a conversation. Whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never thirst, John four fourteen. So they're moving from a secular topic of water to the spiritual topic of living water. Be looking for ways to bridge that gap from the secular to the spiritual if it's not just naturally going that way. Simon Peter stood by the lake drawing nets and talking to Christ about fishing. So Jesus used a challenge that fishermen would understand. And he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men in Matthew 4:19, Then Jesus moved the conversation from the secular topic of fishing to a spiritual dimension of fishing for men. So one potentially helpful way of doing this is to listen for key themes that come up in conversations. Some have conceptualized the history of redemption as forming around the four key themes of creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. Interestingly, many life experiences can be viewed through the lens of these themes as well. So listen for these themes in a conversation with an unbeliever that can provide a way to transition the conversation to the gospel. So if they're talking about something, uh, that is creation. They're talking about a beautiful day. What a beautiful day. That's creation. Talking about just how can wicked people do that to other humans? That's the fall. Uh, My dad says things like, why doesn't the big guy just come and straighten things out? That's redemption. Christmas time, why can't every day be like Christmas? The Elvis song. That's consummation. Be looking for all these opportunities to turn our conversations to the gospel. Unfair circumstances, strained personal relationships, even tragedies give evidence that our world is broken by sin. few other examples that might work for you. With your health weakening, are you thinking about where you will spend eternity? You know, when you're moving your dad into hospice, I know that's tough. It always concerns me. I mean, that's a tough subject. I mean, do you think about eternity? I mean, that's going to be us in a few years. Do you think about eternity? You know, uh, the uh, question that we had a couple of weeks ago, he we said, uh, if you were to die today and stand before the living God and he were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And when I said that to my dad, he goes, whoa, say that again, okay. If you were to die today and find yourself standing before the living God and he were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Let me get a pen gets a pen and a piece of paper. Okay, one more time, say it. And he writes it out, puts it on a clip, and sticks it on the dashboard of his truck. Then every time he gets in his truck, for 20 years now, he's gotten to his truck and saw that note on that clip, and starts his truck, and he still doesn't have the answer. So when I say him, that's our conversation. Remember, remember the paper? Have you found the answer yet? And then there's your conversation. I'm too old. I'm too old to figure that stuff out now, right?
1: So it's the scary part.
0: Yep. You sit and you have, know where you're going. Think through these scenarios and these different conversations that you have with people. And by having these conversations, you're training yourself to think okay, why is it wrong to steal or, or kill? How can I turn those conversations that pop up on the, on the news or whatever people are talking about to a conversation? Who determines whether something is right or wrong? You hear that all the time. You can't judge me. That will, he's always trying to judge me, telling me I can't do this and I can't do that. He's got, okay. Well, who determines what's right or wrong? How do we know? Where does that moral law come from? What do you think? What do you think God requires of us to get into heaven? Uh, Why do you use Christ's name that way? Uh, My son, whenever somebody takes the Lord's name in vain, which is funny. Not funny that people use his name in vain, his response. People say, use the Lord's name in vain. He was, yeah, what about him? Uh, Victoria and I, our response is different at work, somebody will, you know, it's like, you know, I know that you probably don't even notice that you're saying it. It's probably not even that big of a deal, but you know, you really shouldn't use the Lord's name that way. Victoria is always so good because she's so tenderhearted. She's like, God is so good to us. He's so merciful to us. He's so kind to us every day. Holy and majestic and for us to just use his word as an adjective or an exclamation He's just he's just too good too. Holy too majestic. So so kind and patient with us We how can we use his name that way? And because of her soft response people usually Instead of well, you have to get all upset about it. They're like I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to offend you. I don't, I don't use it that way to be offensive. But just the awareness of it, that they know that there's a respect for God. Please, please don't use his name that way. He's just too good. He's too holy. And you, there you are. You're at the first step of the gospel conversation. All right. Just about done. Ask permission and ask a direct question. So you know a little bit about them, their work, their family, church, maybe even shared your testimony. And so as you move the conversation to to deeper spiritual things, you start asking more pointed, direct questions. And before you ask those questions, you should probably ask them permission because you're moving into something that's very personal. And so maybe say, you know can if there were something if I saw something that I was concerned about or if I had a, a, something that I, I really cared about that I wanted to talk to you about would you want to know it or can I can I ask you kind of a personal question um, can I can I ask you a spiritual question yeah sure and if you don't want to talk about it I get it, but here's what I've seen, or here's what I've noticed. It seems like you've got a lot going on right now, don't you? And that's usually when the waterworks begin. I had a conversation this week, and uh, or last week, and I said, I, you know, I don't know how to say this other than to just come out and say it. And if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. And if you do want to talk about it, just know that this conversation won't ever go beyond us. But I've noticed something in your life lately that has led me to believe that there's some substance abuse going on. Are are you struggling with drug addiction? And then just boom. Nobody knows. It's a secret, and I can't talk about it because if I talk about it, it reveals other things about other people that I can't. Right? So, if you just will show cons- genuine concern, genuine care, and then just <clears throat> be honest and ask permission to talk about deeper things and to turn the the conversation. In that direction, listen to their answer and be wise. Pray for wisdom. When somebody's life is a mess, why is their life usually a mess? Because they're following the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, the pride of life. And you know where peace is. And you want to encourage them to find peace. And where do we find peace? At the cross. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if they refuse to engage, well, we responsibly and clearly present the gospel message. Maybe it was the Lord testing you to see if you would be faithful If nothing else, it might just be the Lord testing to see if you're faithful. Carry that gospel baton. And if they don't want to talk about it, they start to mock you, then walk away and go find someone else. And find those divine appointments out there. Christ said to his disciples in Matthew 10, 14, whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. So at some point, an unbeliever has made a fully informed decision to reject the gospel, but leave them with a warning. End with a warning. Let me leave you with this question. Where will you spend eternity? I know you don't want to talk about it, but please think about this. Where will you spend eternity? Did you know that by not repenting, you're making the decision to reject God's only means of salvation? Hebrews two three. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, after it was at the first spoken through the Lord? It was confirmed to us by those who heard. And then maybe put them on your list and pray for them. Stay there. Keep, keep loving them. Okay.